feels I good. think I would love for you just to come from your place of highest curiosity, whatever, wherever, whatever feels intriguing for you to talk about. Let's go there, brother. I'm happy to go there. Okay, let's do it. Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. Last session with Matt Sinkovitz, we talked about his story and I gave some examples from literature about my position around pornography abstinence. Since I did my degree in molecular genetics and not sex research, I first looked up what the popular journals were, and I did that using journal impact factors, which is how you can tell how important a given scientific publication is. The average journal is below a 1, a good journal is anything over a 3, and the gold standard for excellence is anything over a 10, but it depends on the discipline, how popular it is, how many journals there are, etc. So as a brief recap, um, in the last episode intro, I cited the Archive of Sexual Behavior, Journal Factor 3.458 where Zimmer and Imhoff in 2020 wrote this article, Abstinence from Masturbation and Hypersexuality, where it states, quote, um, a lack of evidence for negative health effects of masturbation, end quote, stemming from, quote, perceived problems with pornography, end quote, and, quote, from a psychological and behavioral addiction, end quote, where the word addiction is in quotation marks. It stresses that, quote, higher abstinence motivation was related to a higher perceived impact of masturbation, conservatism, and religiosity, and to lower trust in science, end quote, which kind of summarizes my perspective on the topic. I also looked up the this idea of relationship quality in pornography use, and here's what I found. According to the paper, quote, is this link, sorry, is the link between pornography use and relational happiness really more about masturbation? Results from two national surveys, end quote. Link is in the show notes. And they say, quote, numerous studies have observed a persistent and most often negative association between pornography use and romantic relationship quality, end quote. But it goes on to say, quote, controls are included for sex frequency and satisfaction, depressive symptoms, and other relevant correlates. Results from both the 2012 New Family Structures Study, with about 1,977 people, and the 2014 Relationships in New America Survey, with about 10,000 people, show that masturbation is negatively associated with relational happiness for men and women, while pornography use is either unassociated or becomes unassociated with relational happiness once masturbation is included. Indeed, evidence points to a slight positive association between pornography use and relational happiness once masturbation and gender differences are accounted for, end quote. So that's super interesting. Further, pornography use doesn't seem to be a problem in women at all where, quote, um, effects of pornography use and demographic parameters on sexual response during masturbation and partnered sex in women, end quote, that was the name of the study, um, published in the International Journal of Environment Research and Public Health, which has a JAF of 3.39, link is in the show notes. That paper said, quote, frequency of pornography use predicted only lower arousal difficulty and longer orgasmic latencies during partnered sex having no effect on the other outcome variables. Pornography use frequency 
did not predict overall relationship satisfaction or sexual relationship satisfaction. Overall, more frequent pornography use was generally associated with more favorable sexual response outcomes during masturbation while not affecting most partnered sex parameters. That's not to say that women couldn't have dysfunction around pornography use. It's simply to say that that's what that study found um, in the individuals that it studied, which were, quote, a multinational community-based sample of 2,433 women at least 14 years of age, end quote. And they completed a 42-item opt-in questionnaire, collecting information on demographic and sexual history characteristics, use of pornography during masturbation, frequency of pornography use, and sexual response parameters. So again, the purpose of this episode isn't to vilify anything. Um, I just wanted to share this idea that if a person had a compulsion to drink water, um, they would probably want to find a support group for that. Um, drinking water is something that is very good for lots of people to do, but that doesn't mean everybody should be chugging enormous volumes of water. Um, in fact, drinking water or exercising too much can literally kill people. It's very uncommon, but but possible. Um, and I, there are tragic links in the show notes if you really want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is if you had a problem um, being compulsive with anything, you'd probably want a support group for that. And that's essentially what Matt Sinkovitz does, not for water intoxication or exercise, but for pornography compulsion and pornography abstinence. Quick sidebar again, I didn't want to throw him off um, live on the air as this was our second session of our first time ever talking. As a result, I didn't correct him when he used he, him pronouns for me, which was weird, but not bad. He was great afterwards when I mentioned it to him, and for the record, he seemed super nice, so I left that conversation in at the end of the episode because I thought it felt wholesome, um, and I thought you'd appreciate it, so you're welcome to listen to that if you'd like. And also, let's hear from Matt all about people with pornography compulsion and how they access support from him here on Intimate Interactions. Welcome to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with Matt Sinkovitz, a practitioner and teacher of personal and spiritual development for over a decade, a student of mindfulness and meditation. Matt graduated from the Blue Mountain School of Mindfulness Arts Seminary Program in May 2018 with a master's in Buddhist ministry and was an ordained Osho priest in May 2019. Matt, it's wonderful to have you back. Victor, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much, brother. Yeah. Um, so let's talk more about your organization porn to purpose so just as a quick quick um, reminder for folks for those who didn't hear our last session um you have an organization called porn to purpose with over 900 men specifically and you're working yep. to help men who are really struggling with a feeling of addiction or compulsive use of porn um to overcome that compulsive behavior in their lives and sort of restore the relational health that they want is that is that a reasonable summary i think that's a, a that's an excellent summary uh, victor great i was curious to talk more about your school of mindfulness arts and the buddhism piece in and around that i'm, I'm just kind of curious to hear how mindfulness plays a role in moving forward past a compulsive behavior and moving into abstinence of that behavior and being more mm -hmm. present in your life. Could you speak on that a little? Yeah, brother. Um, so, so, you know, mindfulness, meditation, uh, which ultimately led me to my Buddhist path, has been a big piece of my journey for the last 13 years or so. I really found it like back around age 25. And I found mindfulness and meditation and ultimately the, my, my Buddhist path as a result of a really like deep, dark place that I found myself in. Uh, a lot of suffering, uh, suicidal, didn't want to live anymore, a lot of obsessive thinking, 
I had a really, I was really identifying with my thoughts and feelings, you know, as me. And I thought I had to engage and, you know, engage with, with every thought and feeling that showed up for me. And I had to defend or protect or, you know, out talk or whatever, you know. Um, and, and, and I had this moment of awakening around like age 25 where I kind of realized, I'm like, okay, if I can see the thoughts and feelings, if I can, if I can notice that I'm having them, then maybe that's not all me. Maybe there's the piece of me that's having the experience, but there's also the piece of me that can observe the experience. And I thought, wow, I was like, okay. I remember like sitting at my desk at work when I had this kind of a moment. And I said, well, maybe if I can see my thoughts and feelings and I could, maybe there's like these, these, this other piece of me. So I began digging in to, to mindfulness and med meditation. I went to the bookstore that night and I found some books by Thich Nhat Hanh and I found like a meditation 101 book. And I found a book actually by Joe Dispenza about how we can rehardwire the brain. We can rewire the brain. And um, yeah, I, I dove deeply into meditation and mindfulness and found a local uh, Buddhist community and started going to regular uh, weekly meditation. And then I ultimately ended up studying with my teacher and went to seminary. And I was trained as a mindfulness counselor in, in, in Buddhist ministry. And, um, and then uh, ultimately went on to work in prisons and hospitals, as we, as we mentioned in our previous episode. So, you know, mindfulness and meditation was a big part for me, that led me out of uh, out of a lot of suffering, learning to recognize that, well, first of all, be aware of the thoughts and feelings that I was uh, experiencing that oftentimes we are unconscious of. These thoughts and feelings which oftentimes um, unconsciously drive us to certain behaviors, you know? And um, through mindfulness and meditation, we can learn to begin to slow down and first of all, watch a thought as it arises Watch as a thought arises and then triggers an emotion or a feeling in the body. And then watch how out of that emotion or feeling in the body, that's where action arises, you know? So we can begin to learn to see that loop. And then, and then, that, and then that all triggers more thoughts and more feelings and more behavior. Like there's this, this, this loop, this, 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 this loop that's just running that oftentimes we are unconscious of and certainly don't know how to stop. So we can learn through mindfulness and meditation to begin to, um, be, be, become more aware of these patterns and what's going on inside of us. We can also learn to slow down through mindfulness and meditation and learn to begin to see that this constant craving, this constant reaching that so many of us experience oftentimes lead to, leads to suffering. You know, I experience an impulse in the mind or in the body and I reach for something to soothe or to satisfy that or to release that energy. For some people it's drugs and alcohol. For some people it's cigarettes. For some people it's food. For some people it's porn and sex like myself, you know? So mindfulness allowed me, first of all, to um, cultivate an ability to kind of see these thoughts and feelings as they're arising. It, it, it helped me learn to also be with and to sit with these thoughts and feelings as they were arising versus feeling as though I had to react out of them. Instead of feeling like I have to do something with this energy, I have to go for the porn, I have to go for the cigarettes, I have to go for the food. What if I cultivated a willingness to be with this as it arose in the body and as it washed back out again, you know? Um, so mindfulness and meditation plays a role in both of those things. Um, I can go on. Is there anything you want to touch on with any of that before I just go on for too long? No, no, go? not at all. Uh, keep going. You're okay. doing great. Great. Another piece of the puzzle is that uh, um, oftentimes when we do go to porn, to, to sex, to drugs, to alcohol, to food, to cigarettes. I've had unhealthy relationships with many of these things. 
oftentimes whenever we go to these things, there are unconscious needs that we are attempting to meet. Sometimes there's a direct sexual need, right, when we go to porn. But oftentimes it's it's if we'll if we're willing to slow down and look at it again through our mindfulness practice, that's when that's a big part of our process. We teach our men meditation. Is like we can learn to slow down and say, Oh, I'm actually it's not actually a sexual desire that I'm having right now. I'm actually feeling lonely. Absolutely. I'm actually feeling tired. I'm actually feeling disconnected. I'm actually feeling hungry. I'm actually feeling fatigued. I'm actually feeling emotional. I'm actually feeling like I need to unwind from a busy day. I'm actually just wanting to check out of life right now and go somewhere else. And if we and, and oftentimes we go to porn, but we're unconscious of that, you know? Right. We don't even realize how we got here. We're just going we're just oftentimes like we're just moving through life like blindly, unconsciously, you know, but if we can slow down we can learn to see, okay, what need am I attempting to meet by, by, by going to porn right now, right? Can we also cultivate a willingness to be with whatever's going on inside of us? And number three, on the, on the back end of that, how can I now consciously choose an action, a behavior, an activity that actually meets that need in a healthier way versus continuing on with this unconscious, you know, um, unhealthy oftentimes um, behavior? Mm-hmm. So there's a couple applications to very directly of the mindfulness conversation. Yeah, no, that that's great. Um, even when you were talking about the loop of sort of thoughts to feelings to behaviors, um, that's something I first learned in cognitive behavioral therapy because they they do teach that that uh, the interplay of those three things and how um, how how that leads back on itself. It's uh, I've I've also struggled a lot with cyclical thinking in my life, um, and it has led me to a lot of depression and suicidality even. Um, and it's, I'm, I'm only just at 35 starting to come into mindfulness and I really wish that I had found it a lot sooner in my life. Um, and even, even at 35, as I'm sort of experiencing mindfulness in short snippets here and there, I, I'm sort of finding how it fits into my life and incorporating the start of a practice. I'm curious what you would say to folks listening who maybe don't have any mindfulness practice where you want to help give them like a taste of what that can be like, or, you know, here's how, here's how I can show you, maybe this does have, you know, a benefit for you. Give it a shot. You might like it. Yeah, that's great, brother. And and a lot of people think that, you know, like a very common response to this conversation and, yeah, so it's a very a very common response to the idea of meditation is people say, "Well, I don't, I'm not patient enough for that. There's there's no way I can sit and do that. I just, I'm just not that kind of person." Well, there's this Buddhist uh, kind of a little story or quote. And it, it, Buddha said something like, "If you don't have 20 minutes to sit in meditation, then take an hour." Have you, have you heard Have you heard that one? <laughs> I've heard a variation of it. Yeah. Something like that, right? Okay, but, but but you get the point, you know. So so meditation and mindfulness is a key word. Practice. It's not something that we are good at naturally. It's not something we. Of course, it's the monkey mind. We want to get up. We want to go. That's that's the nature of us. Always going. Always on to the next thing. Never wanting to sit. But that's why it's a practice. And practice makes you know makes us better. You know. So we we get to treat it as a practice and. So if you feel like you can't, then it's probably a good indication that it's really it might be a good uh, might be a good exercise for you. But for someone that that wants to check it out and explore it, I mean, especially today, man, today's society, it's like we're always on the go. There's always another distraction. There's always another notification on the phone. There's always another email. There's, you know, there's always more, more, more stimulation and 
and, and things beckoning us, you know? So I think today, maybe more than ever, it's really important that we take some time to disconnect, you know? Mindfulness and meditation is also really healthy for the nervous system. Um, if, if we disconnect, we take some periods throughout the day just to slow down, just to settle down, the mind can begin to settle. At first, it's gonna feel like that young puppy barking. It's the monkey mind, it's going, you know? But if we can just learn to sit and slow down, the mind can begin to settle. The body will begin to settle. We have to train the puppy to sit, you know? Mm -hmm. We are in the driver's seat if, if, if we'll choose to be. Oftentimes we're not, but we can choose to be in the driver's seat. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so for someone that might want to explore it, um, mm -hmm. five minutes a day is a great place to start. You know, that's a small enough bite-sized piece that you can say, all right, I don't want to do that. I feel like I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. Right. But just enter it from with this, with this Buddhist um, idea of beginner's mind. Enter it saying, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly how to do this. I don't need a specific outcome. There's no right way to do it. I'm just going to sit for five minutes. And if nothing else, I'm just going to be. I'm not going to worry about being my professional job. I'm not going to worry about being a dad. I'm not going to worry about being a mom. I'm not going to worry about paying the bills. I'm not going to worry about that thing I've got to do later. I'm just going to abide and just be. And now if we want to take it a little further, we could sit for five minutes and we could very simply just practice watching our breath. We just cultivate the mind. We watch as the breath flows in through the nose, filling up the belly, and then out through the mouth. And we can just do that set a timer and just watch the breath. And if our mind begins to wander, which it will, and if we notice that we've We've gone off on some tangent. That's okay. We simply notice and return to the breath. And we're just cultivating the mind. We're just bringing back, just coming back to center over and over again. Um, so that could be it. You know, it could just be as simple as just taking some time to pause, to slow down, to disconnect, to pay more attention around what's going on and just observe the breath and recognize. Again, if we, if we enter this with beginner's mind, we can say, all right, there's no right way to do this right. I can't screw this up. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing I'm trying to achieve here. I just want to sit and be, and let's pay more attention to what's going on. It's a great place to start. Yeah. And, and I think with the knowledge as well that you are going to screw it up and, you know, just to remember to simply begin again and to go back to the start and that there's no, you don't need to worry about progress. You don't need to worry about feeling ashamed that you're doing it wrong. Just simply begin again. Always go back to that starting point. Yeah, man. And, and, and you know, again, it's, it's one of those things. It's like martial arts, you know, it's like, we want to train when it's peaceful. Like there's this analogy that says, I'd rather be a, a warrior in the garden than a, than a gardener in the war. You know, it's like, so even if you feel like there's not a direct application, you know, mindfulness is one of those things that it serves us all throughout life. So a daily practice is really important. We don't want to just meditate when life feels stressed out, like practice on the good days too. Mm -hmm. five minutes in the morning, five minutes on the evening is a great place to start. So that way it becomes more of a way of being. Mm -hmm. It's not this reactionary thing you need to do or don't feel like you have time for. It's just something that you cultivate as a way of your being through a daily practice, you know. And this, the more we practice it, the more it becomes kind of like who we are, you know. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, that's, again, like a great place to stop. I, do you have any closing comments that you want to offer to folks just around um, mindfulness and needs, um, things like that? For people that maybe when you were speaking earlier about porn to purpose and people slowing down and discovering, you know, like, oh, well, their, their desire to look at porn or masturbate or whatever it is, is, is often masking other needs. Do you have any advice for folks around discovering their needs and sort of listening to themselves a little more? Yeah. I mean, I could say, you know, oftentimes we know whenever we're engaging in behavior, that's not 
good for us, you mm-hmm. know, or healthy for us, you know, and we know what it is, man. And again, it's those behaviors that we've told ourselves time and again, that we're going to stop or we're going to quit. If we continue to return, it's those things that we continue to return and they don't make us feel very good. Again, I've mentioned on, on our, during our conversation here today, what many of those can be, you know, alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, sex, food. We all go to these different things for different reasons. And again, what we can begin to do is if we're willing, if we're interested enough, and if, if we're on this path of, of conscious evolution, which is what we teach, just being a little bit better every day, growing a little bit every day in mind and in body and spirit, we, we, we begin to wake up and say, all right, I want, maybe I do want to step into the driver's seat here. And before I go for this piece of cake, before I go for this next cigarette, if, if you are interested in exploring this, you can still have the cake. You can still have the cigarette. You can still go to the porn. But what if you challenged yourself to say, all right, I'm just going to also do this. I'm going to take, a, I'm going to take five minutes or three minutes or one minute mm-hmm. and I'm going to slow down and I'm going to go inward and I'm going to cultivate a little emotional intelligence here. And I'm going to say, <laughs> what am I actually needing right now? Before I pick up that cigarette, it's like, actually, I just, I'm actually feeling stressed right now. It's not just a nicotine addiction. It's just a habit I've, I've developed to deal, man. And before I go for that next piece of pizza, you know, like what I'm actually reaching for right now, maybe I'm just trying to actually sedate myself right now. I'm not hungry. If I check in with my belly, I'm actually not hungry. I'm full. Mm-hmm. But I'm just looking for more of that fix. So if we're just willing to slow down a little bit, we can begin to lead that, uh, begin to recognize that life is oftentimes just full of this unconscious grasping. Uh, and and it's, it's this unsatiable hole. It's this unsatiable pit that can never be satisfied. You know, but what, what we can learn to do is learn to be more conscious, be more aware and learn to be, to cultivate just like greater, um, just like more satisfaction with just being, you know, and um, I think that's what we can begin to do and cultivate through a, a more mindful way of living and being. Matt Sinkovitz, thank you so much for being with us again on Intimate Interactions. Victor, it's an honor to be here. Thanks so much, brother. Oh, yeah, you're very welcome. Oh, I should also mention as well, I'm I'm gender nonconforming, so I, I usually use they, them <gasps> pro- pronouns. No, it's okay. I didn't tell oh, you. Okay. Um, it was yeah, sort okay. of like, um, you may or may not have even noticed it when you looked at my website, but... Uh, no, it's just it's just uh, I decided to kind of go lead with curiosity rather than sort of correcting you on air and having it be like this thing that may have not sat well with you or kind of disrupted oh, is it our flow. I called you brother and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because um, I got oh. a lot of like, yeah, yeah, but that that's fine. It's it's not a problem. Yeah, well, I do honor that, and and uh, I I am always whenever I'm I'm aware of that, and and also I've been. I've been working not to make assumptions around that, but it is, uh, it is habitual as, as you know, you know, but sure, I appreciate sure. you sharing with me. Yeah, yeah, no, I just wanted to share with you and let you know, you know, today was kind of my experiment of leaning more into my he, him side. Cause as a, as a non-conforming person, like I, I definitely do feel like there is some masculinity in me for sure. Um, you'll often find me rocking like lipstick and a beard. Um, but the beard uh-huh. is still there. Right. So today I just kind of took this as an opportunity to kind of lean more into um, you know, what that feels like. And it was a neat experiment for me. So thank you for being a part of that. Yeah, I appreciate your willingness to share with me, brother. And uh, yeah, honor you and your path, but, uh, Victor. Thanks so much, Matt. Awesome. Well, have thank yourself you. a wonderful day. You as well. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com forward slash Intimate Victor or tweet me at Intimate Victor or follow my Instagram, you guessed it, at Intimate Victor. 
If you can spare the cost of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash victorsalmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a review anywhere online, especially iTunes. Or you can just tell a friend. The opening music is on hold for you made of algorithmically generated notes and chords and played by an AI-rendered saxophonist. The closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with the intimate, rich interactions you crave. Be well. <laughs> <laughs>